I'm Amber Brooks, a defender for the OL Reign, and I'm listening to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 65 of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. It is Bennett and I uh, once again. Uh, Bennett, make a funny introduction. Uh, oh boy, it's me, Bennett. Was that good? Yes, that works. Uh, Amari is still on his hiatus. We're all doing busy things here, folks. Um, he's on, uh, he's on school eternity leave. Pretty much. That's pretty accurate. Um, but, uh, in, in some form and fashion, there is no stopping, uh, with all of our Seattle sports news as things are just as busy there. So we will continue to bring you that information. Um, uh, we're going to start off with our Seattle Seahawks. It may be the off season for them folks, but there is a lot of news to go over the draft happened on Thursday and continued throughout Saturday. Um, Bennett, we had taken a look at this draft and we had <laughs> prophesized that the team would end up with five picks. Yeah. We said there's no way that they're going to end up just with three. Now they, they did get to four. They did get to four at one point. Um, and they, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, they just need to get the one more. And then they got rid of it. Um, so, you know, uh, and it was, it was quite an interesting draft. Let's get, let's just get into it. Um, so in the third round with pick number 56, the, yes, is that right? What, what, what's, the, what's the question? Never mind. Um, with the third round, uh, the Seahawks selected wide receiver Dwayne Eskridge out of Western Michigan University. The team liked his versatility, ability to run the ball, play different wide receiver positions, and return kicks. Eskridge says that he felt good energy in his interviews with the Seahawks coaching staff and said that he plans to make a name for himself on special teams. The team reportedly had a trade lined up to move out of this pick that fell through last minute and Eskridge was the highest player on their board at that pick time. Interesting, because it, I remember watching this pick and uh, having people tell me, oh, yeah, they're going to trade out. They're going to trade out. And then they didn't, and I was like, huh. And then hearing that they had the trade lined up um, and then having it fall out, I want to know what that trade was and what we could have gotten returned. Um, but alas, that is not the case. The team gets a five-eight receiver out of Western Michigan University, who will more than likely get his talents uh, maximized in this Shane Waldron offense, considering what they like to do uh, with wide receivers and playmakers and getting them the ball in different uh, facets of the offense. It's an interesting pick to me, but I'm not going to immediately jump on it and hate it because it wasn't a running back, so I can't be mad at that. Um, a couple grades here. Bleacher Report gave it a C. Pro Football Network gave it a C minus. NFL app gave it an A minus. Wow, that um, is high. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. Um, Bennett, what what would you grade this pick uh, on a letter scale out of? This pick, I grade. Mm, I grade. A, I graded a B minus. I I don't get. I don't get using your second round pick third third round pick pardon me for essentially a special teams or like that's what he's gonna be 
primarily for his first year. He has a now he can make a strong case for that Freddie Swain role. He could make that case, and um, he's got some good. He, he's he's fast. He's got versatility. We can have him kind of as a gadget player. I hate using that term, but we could use him as that. Why do I sound southern? Um, but I I just I don't quite understand using your second pick on somebody who's basically going to be a special team stud. Now, are special team studs important? I mean, of course. I mean, that's why you see guys like Jermaine Curse slowly climb the ladder into being a starting wideout. But uh, that's the difference between an undrafted free agent and your best piece of draft capital of the year. Um, so B minus because Eskridge is a good wide receiver, and he th- I think he will have an immediate contribution to the team, whether it's on special teams or whether it's in the uh, new offense that we're kind of building. But, I mean, he's definitely a weapon for us to use if they decide to use him like that this year. I'm interested to see how he develops. I'm interested to see if he does spend his entire five-year rookie um, tenure at uh, with the Seahawks. Um, because, notably, our first picks of the draft have not been around. <laughs> um, yeah, I think a B-minus sounds appropriate. I was I was uh, flipping between C plus and B minus on this pick because my main my main thought processes with this guy is he does have speed um, and he's he's got uh, experience running the ball and returning kicks returning kicks we really at this point in time we don't have a solid kick returner I saw a tweet that someone said oh. They're drafting this guy to replace Tyler Lockett and returning kicks. I was like, Tyler Lockett hasn't returned kicks in years. Yeah, I know. Um, so that was a dumb, <laughs> that was a dumb comment. Um, and I mean, what DJ Reed was taking kicks back, I think last year at some point. And we, yeah, Homer. We don't really necessarily have a return guy, uh, a designated return guy. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if we have a guy that is explosive, uh, word of the word of the podcast lately is explosive, I guess. Um, and can run the ball in the Shane Waldron offense where they do use jet sweeps. I'm interested to see how he's used his, his usage and playing off his strengths will be something that's big. And I feel like, uh, Waldron will be able to maximize that, but obviously we have to let this play out as, um, we've seen with somebody who will mention later, um, not getting his option picked up, you know, it, it, you just got to kind of wait and see how these things fall into place. That's why, you know, over the years I've kind of realized I'm like, hey, you kind of got to wait to see how these things play out uh, with Jordan Brooks. I yeah. think he's going to be a guy that will be contribute. Uh, as the year went on, he looked like he looked more and more uh, comfortable in this defense and was flying around. So, you know, it's and even with him, that was one year and it's not like he started all year. So um, I'm just going to let it play out. So Dwayne uh-huh. Eskridge, very interesting um, I'd, I'd use intriguing more so. Were you going to say them, uh, Bennett? Yeah, I was just going to mention that. Uh, yeah, pardon my ums. Uh, um, um, well, frick. <laughs> it's just ingrained. I think that we did mention in our draft preview that, um, we were interested in seeing if we would draft somebody who could return kicks. It was a part of emphasis, but both of us had that happening in the seventh round, uh, a pick that we ended up not even having. Um, 
and I, I think they actually kind of did what Omari predicted just backwards. Because um, Omari said, OLCB wide receiver. So he actually got the positions right. Uh, he just got them a little out of order. But, I, I mean, I am happy to see us looking at more offensive-minded. Weird that we're doing it from a skill position. Yeah, I think with the if like we said if we stuck to those three picks which still is the fact that we ended that draft with those is still surprising to me um i would have figured hey these there's these three positions they're gonna address and they did i didn't really think that necessarily there was a guy that with their picks at the tackle that they could go after obviously i would have loved them to acquire Levi on Zarike, but they, Levi was going to go in the first two rounds. Um, so it is interesting to see how that played out with those positions. Um, going to round four with pick 137, uh, there are some trades here. Now, you'll have to wait for me to mention that, but there were some trades to get to this pick. The team selected cornerback Trey Brown out of the University of Oklahoma. Now, Trey Brown's not your typical Seattle DB. Um He's only 5'10". When I say only, I'm I'm only 5'10". So, you know, uh, he was known as a special teams ace at Oklahoma. That's an interesting piece of information from the headlines. Uh, DJ Reed's play a cornerback at a shorter height probably played an impact into Seattle's willingness to look at a shorter corner. And I believe Pete Carroll even admitted to this uh, compared to standard Carroll defensive backs. Trey Brown said that the Seahawks haven't told him whether or not he'll play on the inside or outside. That I will speak on here in a second. Uh, that's very relevant info when projecting how soon he might play. Trey Brown then, uh, wait, okay. Uh, Trey Brown said he played outside cornerback for three years at Oklahoma, moved inside to slot corner at the Senior Bowl in January. Uh, and then Pete Carroll in the post-draft presser said that Trey Brown will play outside corner. That is an interesting piece of information to note. So, I mean, we look at, if I'm missing somebody, you gotta you got to hold me to it. Uh, DJ Reed. Trey Brown now, Trey Flowers, um, Akella Witherspoon. Um, who am I missing, man? I'm Hugo. missing. Who? Ugo. I always list Ugo more as a safety. Uh, and then uh, Pierre Desir. Interesting group of corners. Um, but Ugo, that, w- that was something with Trey Brown that people were talking about nickel. But I think I think I think with Pete Carroll saying that he'll play outside corner, and Marquise Blair and Ugo Amadi already having nickel lined up, I don't think nickel's going to change. I That's think true. it's going to be Marquise or Ugo, and even even this year again, Marquise Marquise Blair is somebody that obviously he's got to come back from injury. Um, is somebody that I don't hear his name get talked about that often. Um, uh, Trey Brown had the lowest passer rating allowed in single coverage in the 2021 draft class with a 26.9 passer rating allowed. Uh, he was This pick was acquired in a trade with Tampa Bay for pick number 129 in round four. Uh, so the team traded back. Uh, now this pick draft, this, this pick's grades are very interesting to me again. Bleacher Report gave this pick a D. Pro Football Network gave this a C plus, and the NFL app gave it an A. 
Uh, Bennett, we go to your draft grade here. I'm going to say a B straight up because uh, I, I don't think – in my opinion, this wasn't the best draft pick of our draft, which I, it leaves you wondering which one's going to be my favorite. Um, but I mean, Trey Brown, he, uh, and this is my, I'm a, I might catch some flack for this because I'm comparing two players um, out of position. But he reminds me a little bit of Tyron Matthew um, oh. because of his, like, he's super feisty. He's super go out and get him and, like, yeah, that does result in penalties in college, um, and it might result in more penalties in the NFL. But if we can get him a little more disciplined, you can see him become a product that um, short guy going out there and just making plays because he can keep up with that just raw speed and also intelligence. He has, um, I mean, he has a great positioning. He has good hands, uh, and he knows how to break up a pass in a very effective and feisty way. And I think that feistiness is what really makes him an attractive draft pick. Um, I think he's a guy that was expected to go where he went, so I don't think we reached on this one too hard. Uh, And I think Eskridge might have been a reach. I don't know if we really see him go. Um, But, I mean, at the same time, I mean, the Seahawks, I, I personally don't think there's such thing as a reach in the NFL draft, because if you know your stuff and you get this guy and all, mm. he's, all of a sudden he's a breakout rookie wide receiver that you didn't really reach, you knew what you were doing. Jordan Brooks, is I think, is a pretty good example. Everybody called him a reach, but he went out there and was a very competent linebacker. This is a very safe pick to me, and I think it was a good pick all around. Um, I wasn't super expecting them to go corner. I was expecting them to address de- uh, defensive tackle, which they did do in the undrafted free agent signings. Um, however, addressing corner wasn't a bad thing in my opinion, and I think this was a decent pick. I I do not think that your comparison was bad. I think it makes sense because um, that was something that um, – Trey Brown was noted for was being a feisty player and he even admitted that uh, that was something that contributed to some penalties in college but you know you you come up to the professional level and things like that get fine-tuned you know so I am interested to see his contribution you know we saw DJ Reed and the uh, play that level play that he had despite being a short corner in air quotes you know um and I'm I'm in, I'm intrigued because of that lowest passer rating in the class, that draft class. So I'm I'm it's 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 more with this group of guys. I'm more wait and see. I don't really necessarily have any overlying opinions about any of these guys. As we jump into round six, the final pick from the draft here for our Seattle football team, pick number two hundred eight. Offensive tackle Stone Forsyth. Yes, his name is Stone out of the University of Florida. Uh, Stone Forsyth said he had two to three pre-draft Zoom calls with the Seahawks. He said he's been told he'll get reps at both left and right tackle. Uh, Forsyth allowed only two sacks on 488 dropbacks to pass at Florida with quarterback Kyle Trask last season. He's known He was known as an elite pass blocker in the SEC. Uh, John Schneider said that the Seahawks tried trading up forever to get Forsyth. Ultimately, they were successful, and they did get him. Uh, 
original pick uh, that the team had was 217, acquired in trade with Tampa Bay for pick 129 in round four. Um, and then 208 acquired from Chicago in exchange for pick 217 in round seven, pick 250. That's where that round seven pick would go. Um, I was I was really surprised that a, a bunch of these things, but this might be indicative of certain things this offseason, like trading for a guy like Gabe Jackson. Um, mm. It's it's interesting to see it. Really, we're we're in a very uh, critical time, like we said way back in this offseason, which is we've still got four months till football actually like fully gets underway. So I keep saying way back, but it feels like way back. Um, it's it's going to be something to note with this uh, this off season. You were saying something. I just said yeah three months ago. Mm. It wasn't that long ago. In the grand scheme of things, we were still watching football. <laughs> um. This pick was a lot more neutral in grades. Bleacher Report gave it a B. CBS Sports gave it a B minus. Pro Football Network gave it an A. And the NFL app gave it a B minus. So What? Okay, that's the the NFL app is all over the freaking place. Yeah. Rayton Eskridge as an A and Forsyth as a B minus has some issues. So so there's two questions I have for you, Bennett. Okay. There's your grade, first of all, your your letter grade. And then do we think that Forsyth is a guy that's being brought in to be the heir apparent to Dwayne Brown as, you know, Dwayne, you know, age catches up to some of us. Some guys like Tom Brady, for some reason, they don't seem to want to retire. Um, or do we see, at least at this point, do we see Forsyth potentially bring some competition to the right tackle position? I I mean <laughs> so okay for my letter grade I'll, I'll give it a um, I'll give it I'm gonna give this one an a minus um, I think it was a pretty smart pick and I'm surprised I think I don't think he was seen as going this late I think he was actually passed up upon by a couple of teams that really needed somebody at that tackle position um, so I am kind of surprised about that. But um, if you think about our team right now in terms of offensive line, so at left tackle, I mean, you have Dwayne Brown. And at right tackle, not a lot going on. You have, I mean, you got Brandon Shell, and I think Ogwehi, and that's kind of it. So I think if Forsyth can make the transition to the other side, then immediately, immediately it's an upgrade, in my opinion. The dude's got size, the dude's got height, he's got hands, he's got intelligence, he's really bright, you can tell he knows his assignments, and you can, I mean, the dude chip blocks and pancakes, it's ridiculous. Like, he checks downfield, and like, literally the guy's on the floor. So and he's he's 6'9". Yeah, he's... He's 6'9". This is a big guy. Some people pointed out his uh, bench press wasn't all that great, but, I mean, you look at... NFL, <clears throat> excuse me, you look at NFL 
offensive lineman and strength is part of it when you're going up against a guy like Aaron Donald duh strength is part of it but it's also the mentality of the game it's also knowing what he's gonna do and I think that's where Stone Forsyth really shows off his talent and in like there's a lot of talk about intangibles in football what stats can't necessarily well stats will show you it but a draft preview won't um, and I think Stone Forsyth is a good example of somebody who has these great intangibles. So if he wants to make the jump to right tackle and the Seahawks wanted to make that jump to right tackle, um, he won't have to be heir apparent. He'll be head of the house. Like it, it, it's, I don't think Ogbuehi or Shell, I mean, both veterans, but I don't think they can stand up to, um, the raw, raw shapeable talent that Forsyth has. Will he be at the start of the season? Maybe not, but as I think we see the season develop, I think he can be a great piece in protection, and um, the only thing he really needs to work on is his run protection. Um, just because he played for a team that wasn't super run-focused in college. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I like this pick a lot. I was surprised. He was the guy that was kind of on my radar going into the draft. Um and I am very surprised he went so late. So I, I think we're happy to have him. And then, you know, with Shell, Shell had an okay year last year. All right, I want to say that he was poo-poo. Um, but the only thing is, is if you want, if let, let's say it does work out, right? Let's say that Forsyth comes out here and he balls out and he, he becomes the right tackle. Shell's contract ends at the end of the year. So, and he becomes 30. So it's not like it would be a, a big difficult thing to decide, oh, you know, do we bring this guy back? Forsyth is young. If he makes that if he makes that jump, Shell's contract ends at the end of 2021 season. You could be done with it there. Um so that's that's something that's interesting to note that they they said that they'll get him reps at both tackle spots. Um so those are our three lovely picks. What draft grade overall would you give oh wait no don't say anything i have that's that's i jumped a spot um the undrafted free agent list this is something that was supposed to be we were supposed to have a long list just because we had so few picks um so let's let's just go through it running back bj emmons wide receiver kate johnson wide receiver tamirian terry linebacker john radigan Cornerback Brian Mills, O-line Jared Hawker, O-line Pierre Olivier Lestage, running back Josh Johnson, wide receiver Connor Weddington out of Sumner, if you know where Sumner is, defensive <laughs> tackle Jared Hewitt, O-line Greg Eland, and offensive tackle Jake Curhan. So we take that long list of undrafted free agents who, you know, Doug Baldwin was an undrafted free agent. Um, hmm. We look at the overall draft grade. Let's. I've got a bunch of different grades for you. All right. NFL.com gave it a B overall. ESPN gave it a B minus. Sports Illustrated gave it a B minus. P Pro Football Focus gave it a C. USA Today gave it a C minus. New York Post and the Washington Post both gave it a C minus. And NBC Sports gave it a D. Wow. So, taking this into account or not, if you don't care for their grades, Ben. Hmm. what overall grade would you give this draft, the 2021 NFL draft? What would you, you know, if, if John Schneider and Pete Carroll kid Bennett, Bennett, we need, we need to know how we did. What, what kind of grade would you give them? 
You know what I'd say, Pete? <clears throat> this was a pretty okay draft. You did what you could with the picks you had, but because we had such a limited draft, I don't feel comfortable giving you anything over a B. Um, and I think a B is where I'll sit. And I think, I mean, like, yeah, it makes sense. My B minus, B, A minus, that, that sandwiches nicely and averages out. So I think that I don't see a lot of problems with the draft. A lot of people are really upset about this draft. And out of all our last drafts for, like, for the last five years, this is actually pretty much the most confident I've been in each three of our picks that they'll make an immediate effect on our team. Um, especially Stone, Forsyth, and Trey Brown. Eskridge, I only reason I exclude him is because special teams doesn't get the hype that it should. But, I mean, our special teams last year was pretty freaking fantastic in terms of defense. It was one of the bright spots of our team. Uh, punting and kicking as well. But... Special teams unit. I just don't think that this draft was anything to spit at no not at all because then i get like a c minus c average grade but the fact that we got some pieces that'll immediately make an impact is great the only reason i don't feel comfortable giving it like a b plus or an a minus is because we didn't have a lot of capital to play with so we didn't get a volume of people who will make an immediate impact and also i would i would have liked to see that defensive line addressed a little bit more and uh, if we got a stud at that position not saying we did it because that undrafted free agent, I can't remember his name, but he, he doesn't look bad. Um, yeah, I can't remember his name. Sure to put me on the spot, too. It's in our list somewhere. We said it earlier. Oh, well, I just... That's the trouble, folks. When I go through the list, I have to clean it up for next week. <laughs> so it's it's I just deleted it. Um, even our undrafted free agents, I have some faith in, uh, especially that corner Brian Mills. Oh, Jared Hewitt. Yeah, Hewitt, uh, and then leave the one. Are you talking about the cornerback Brian Mills? Yeah, Brian Mills, who I'm surprised wasn't taken in an earlier round. Um, that's a little joke because that's the guy's main. That's his name in taken Brian Mills. Isn't it funny? I okay. Uh, <laughs> Jared Hewitt though. Um he had a pretty good year. I mean nine point five sacks in during his time at Virginia Tech. That's not terrible. And I mean he, he did have he was a senior captain last year, so for a pretty reputable team. And also Brian Mills, he was uh, I think a lot of people who knew him were were projecting him at second or third round. But the issue is he comes from such a small school that oh. um, he didn't necessarily get the attention he could have. So looking at our undrafted free agent class and our draft class, I might be comfortable drafting, bumping us up to a B plus. But solely looking at our picks, uh, I'd say a B. I think a B is fair for now. I mean, it's so tough with these draft classes to um, put out a definitive answer right away you know because these dudes haven't played in an nfl game yet you know so i think for where we are now and since we do you know we, it is interesting to look at how we'll rate them now and how we'll look at these guys at midseason i think i think a b is a fair grade um and like i like you said i don't think we're we're coming out of this this uh this draft and being all grumpy you know about things 
it's just I'm very intrigued to see the moves that this team has made this offseason and how they all come together to work as a big team. Um, how all the pieces of the Lego set fit together. Um, and speaking of which, we're going to jump right into the free agency tracker here. The team signed defensive tackle Robert and Kim Dietschy, former first-round pick for the Cardinals in 2016. He reportedly had a, uh, quote, killer workout. Bennett, uh, you had some thoughts on this, this signing? Yeah, I thought... Um... I uh, I just it, it's an interesting move because um as you note in our group chat he he was kind of a guy who never really materialized in the NFL to the point that he did in college. My thoughts go so far as to let's try him out, see how he works within the off uh, defense. He's a different player than Puna Ford is and he kind of fills that Jaron Reed role where it's a little more a little more slim on the line there, but at the same time, um, I, I think he is at the end of the day some competition for um, maybe some of the younger guys coming in undrafted, and also maybe some. I, I wouldn't put him as competition for for um, Puna because they're just different players, but maybe he's in the mix for that backup position or the nose tackle position or whatever position you want to play him as um, path rush D tackle for um, some of the other guys undrafted. We brought in. Yeah. I, I remember when the Cardinals drafted this guy and there was so much hype around him. Like a lot of guys, the Cardinals draft and it was like, oh, the Cardinals, because the Cardinals have always been that annoying team that seems to be the thorn in our side. It was like, oh, another guy, you know, to just add to that, and he just never really was able to contribute significantly. So, and, and Pete Carroll was like, oh, he really impressed us with his workout. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's competition, and if you're able to compete and be on that 53-man roster, hey, all power to you, you get another chance. Um, but that is that we've got a lot to decide before we hit week one, which, uh, we'll find out about here in a second. Um, wait, is that this week or did I say that last week? Oh, no, that was last week. Yeah. We'll find out about the NFL schedule on May 12th and we'll see who and where we will play, uh, week one. Uh, and then, there's some information about this guy uh, that pertains uh, that branches out more than this. Free agent cornerback Richard Sherman has reportedly talked to four teams: the 49ers, Seahawks, Saints, and Raiders. Keep that in mind. Uh, we'll touch back on that in a second here. Uh, Tuesday, a report came out the teams are viewing 2022 draft picks like gold. Um, this is interesting to me, considering that a bunch of teams including us have already dealt the first round pick um, for next year's draft, uh, including us and the Rams. So uh, I don't know. I don't know how, uh, if I believe that or not, but um, again, I'm not a GM. I'm not in the, the war rooms and on the data. I don't know what really makes those picks so valuable. 
I mean, is the draft class next year anything that... I don't think it's particularly stronger than this draft class. I'm thinking... Maybe for the Seahawks, it's just the fact that we want to keep draft capital next year. Yeah. We'll have a pretty big influx, or outflux, I should say, of players. I'm just wondering what makes this a a league-wide, oh, these picks are valuable, man. I don't see it beyond our team. I don't quite understand. Yeah. And, I mean, to to your point, if we look at our picks for next year, um, the team has a second rounder, a third rounder, two fourths, a fifth, a sixth. So it's basically a full draft except for a first. That can change, obviously. But that's where we sit right now. Um, so, and then we get into more news in a press conference the day before the draft, uh, John Schneider said that he never actually negotiated a trade with anyone about Russell Wilson, uh, from Schneider and Carroll. It mostly sounded like what we here on the show said all along, the media basically took a whiff of smoke and just turned it into a, a giant barn fire. It was like, oh, you know, at the end of the season, if you didn't win a Super Bowl, you're probably going to be upset in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Russell Wilson's upset, and I understand that. And people took it to the extreme lengths, and the media took it to different places. That's what we figured it was all along. You know, if you listen to our show throughout the offseason, since that time where, since basically the Super Bowl, you know, it was kind of been like we never actually thought the dude would be traded, at least not this year. So... Uh, unless John Schneider's lying to us, again, come on, guys. We knew this. Um, and then they had a post-draft press conference, and I say post-draft, even though I think it started, like, in the middle of the seventh round because I guess they knew that they weren't going to draft in the seventh round. Uh, several little tidbits here. Damian Lewis will move to left guard, and Gabe Jackson will play right guard. Uh, Pete Carroll said, uh, spoke on Richard Sherman's possibility of coming to the Seahawks. He said, I've talked to Sherman quite a few times this offseason. He's out there. He's thinking about it. We'll see what happens. He's still got some ball left in him, I'm sure. We're always open. Then a few minutes later, he said that the Seahawks aren't open to adding a cornerback right now, but in general are always open to any possibility just in case. That's just so similar to the John Schneider quote, we're, we're in on everything. Um, it's, uh, it's interesting that he he make those comments and then say oh but we're we don't we don't need a cornerback right now it's like um that would still fit my dream scenario we did draft a corner there's step one step two would be getting richard sherman in here but i'm being inspiring (laughs) huh i was like that's what you were desiring that's like what you said was going to happen. I mean, I didn't agree, but it kind of looks like that's what's going on. We'll see. Um, I mean, it obviously his words condemned it there, but his words aren't always what really is happening. Um, they also said that a Marquise Blair uh, should be in great shape. He's ready to compete at both safety spots and nickel defensive back inferring ready uh, for the start of training camp. Ugo Amadi is also a candidate at nickel and he's a totally different style. Um, and then the 2022 NFL draft dates are set. They will take place in Las Vegas from April 28th to 30th. Um, and then the last piece of Seahawks news here is that the Seahawks are expected to decline running back Rashad Penny's fifth-year option. 
we spoke about this last week, Bennett. I don't think there's much else to say. Our our friend Rashad might be uh, at the end of the stick. Um, at the end of the season, obviously, I'm sure they could bring him back on a smaller contract, but unless he's got a breakout year this year, and you know, um, do you have any final comments on that or the draft? Well, I mean, like I said before, it, it is always kind of difficult to see your first round pick um, dissolve like that. Um, and it's difficult. It's, it's a tough pill to swallow because it, it is disappointing, uh, either from a fan perspective or a team perspective. So, and you got to feel for him too, in a way. And like, I don't know, maybe that's just me. I'm very always sympathetic to the um, to the player in particular when they get released like that, just because um, it, it feels almost like, <laughs> like the end of a dream, the end of the line type of thing. So you got to feel bad for him. But at the same time, it's just the way of the business, you know, and he just hasn't been producing, and that's just how it is. I mean, it's a very cutthroat profession, and at the end of the day, if you can't do what the team needs you to do, you just don't have a spot on that team. And every spot is coveted. You've had four or so years to prove that you deserve that spot, and obviously he's shown time and time out that it just you might want to start looking at other places for it. So it, it's uh, it's sad to see him go, but I'd, um, I'm would i interested to see what the future of running back looks like for Seattle. Yeah, it's... It, he figured the writing might be on the wall of sorts when, let's see, Alex Collins got brought back. Right. Um, Travis Homer's on contract still. Uh, oh shoot, who am I? Uh, I can't believe I was gonna say go into it. I'm now I forgot. Chris Carson got brought back, obviously. So any narrative that you know Penny was just gonna be the starting guy, and they're gonna let Carson get big money, kind of died when that happened. Um, I have to go to the depth chart now because I can't believe I'm just completely blanking into the running backs that we have. Um. Oh, that's right. Still have DJ Dallas. I mean, that, that running back room is not like it's it's sparse. It's a packed running back room. So, I mean, it's if if you slip up, that that's that's your last draw. So that'll be interesting to see um how Rashad responds this year. That's it's you know, if if you bust out big, then hey, I'm sure you get a maybe a year or two contract and we'll see if it's the real deal. You yeah. didn't produce. Hey, man. Good luck. You know. So that's uh, that's that's parting words, I guess, for our friend Rashad Penny, uh, Bennett's favorite player. Um, I mean, I had hope for the guy. I was holding out hope. I I think he's a better product than Homer. I think he's a better product than a couple of the other guys that we've seen go through. It's here. just it's all about being consistent with it too. You yeah. Know? It's- consistency it's the timing and like i think next year running back will be probably one of the primary positions addressed in a draft and finally for once for good reason <laughs> like it'll be i think 2020 well, hopefully you know chris stays healthy 
right and then it's like you just need a complimentary guy to him you know yeah Um, what's what's the contract deal again i believe it's only two years um with some dummy years attached to it um spot track spot track is great for this kind of stuff i'm just i'm interested to see how quickly we address the another point Quite honestly, the impending departure of Chris Carson. I feel like these two years tacked on, without a doubt, will be his last two years. Yeah, two I... years, and then there's the dummy year in 23. Right. And I know I said that about him last time, that he was going to depart this year, and and obviously we were wrong about that, but that kind of came as a surprise to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised. Um, So I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't put it past the Seahawks to start looking at running back and a complimentary guy unless they think we already have him in Alex Collins, DJ Dallas, or uh, Travis Homer. But probably not Travis Homer. I think DJ Dallas is the most likely out of those three. And even then. I agree. So we will jump into our baseball team. The Seattle Mariners uh, played a three-game series against the Astros a three-game series against the Angels, and we'll get the first game against the Orioles talked about here. April 27th at the Astros, the team lost 2-1, to one, uh, 2 to nothing. Uh, play the game with the third baseman, Kyle Seager, with two hits. April 28th at the Astros, they would lose 7-5. Play the game with the center fielder, Kyle Lewis, with one hit, one run, and RBI. April 29th at Houston, the team would win 1-0. I'm going to give co-player of the game, Taylor Trammell, with a homer in the game-sealing catch. One hit, one run RBI. He had the only run of the game. But Yusei Kikuchi, incredible shutout. And I yeah. think for a while he had a no-hitter going. Um, it's been great to see Yusei continue to be confident in his stuff and continue to just work on velocity. And he's, he's getting better. Um, I know we're, we're three years into the Yusei experience. But still, I mean, we're seeing this improvement, and that's a good thing. Um April 30th versus the Angels in the first game of the series. The team would win 7-4. Play of the game would be second baseman Dylan Moore with two hits, two runs, two RBIs, and a walk. May 1st versus the Angels. The team would lose 10-5. This was kind of a rough one. Uh, Play of the game would be shortstop J.P. Crawford with two hits, one run, one RBI, and a walk. May 2nd versus the Angels. The team would win 2-0. Uh, Justin Sheffield had a great outing with six innings pitch, zero earned runs, and four Ks. Ben and I talked about this. There were a couple situations where Justice got into trouble and he was able to get out of it scratch-free. I don't know how, but he did it. So, hey, hats off to the top chef there. Top chef. Pardon me. May 3rd versus the Orioles, the team would lose 3-5. to um, Player of the game would be a right fielder, at least in my opinion. These are my opinion. Uh, right fielder Mitch Hanniger with a hit, a run, and two RBIs. He had a two-run blast in the eighth inning. To bring the game within two runs, the team was not able to complete the comeback there, but they, they stayed in it. I mean, the only game out of those uh, that list of games there would be that 10-5 to 5 game where things just got away from them. LJ Newsom had a difficult start. Um, this is a team that continues to be in games. Um, player of the week. I had a guy that I looked at the seven-game split and I, I was kind of surprised. Over the last seven games, J.P. Crawford, who's my pick, has a 3.48 average, a 400 OBB, a 4.78 slugging, which isn't the greatest, but, you know, we're going with the numbers here, 8.78 OPS, 
all over the last seven days. Kind of surprised by that. Uh, Bennett, who would you go with for your player of the week for our Mariners baseball club? I'm going to go with a guy that I've harped on a little bit, um, and I'll have to go with Yusei Kukuchi. I think um, he had a pretty rough start to the season, and that's not necessarily – I mean, that's not – I would like to say that's not his fault, but, I mean, the positioning of the team kind of hurts all players at some point or the other. But I think that he has had a pretty good year so far in terms of bouncing back from kind of a rocky start. And I think that this um, Friday's game really was emblematic of his work and his kind of rise to, not Friday, Thursday, um, kind of his rise to where he is, where he was in that game. And I think um, if that's the Kikuchi we see for the rest of the year, which, I mean, is that sustainable pitching? Who knows? We don't, I mean, only time will tell. But if that's the Kikuchi we see for the rest of the year, that is, um, we're, we're going to be in for probably his best season. And I think in a lot of ways, he's already on track for his best season because he's not um, giving up a ton of runs as he has done in previous years so i'm interested to see where the rest of the season goes for him but for right now he's my player of the week yeah and it's it's it it has been interesting to see him go along and like you said if we get this consistently i mean it's 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 gonna be a great thing to see so i i like that pick and that game i mean when you shut out the astros yeah, That's still pretty damn good. So, um, the while they're healthy, they don't have the excuse anymore. Yeah, they're still they still can hit the ball. I mean, they're still an off, uh, a good offensive team. Um, the team's current record is sixteen and fourteen, and they are third in the AL West right now at twelve fifty a.m. on the fourth of May. That could change, obviously, um, but that's just how it's fixed out right now. Uh, injury news, Domingo Tapia was activated from the taxi squad in response to Marco Gonzalez going on the IL with a mild forearm strain. Marco is expected to miss a couple starts. Um, and James Paxson had his Tommy John surgery last week, but has not started rehab yet. Team news. Now this, this is kind of funny. Um, so Evan White was placed on the bereavement list. Um, I believe he had a family member pass away. So, you know, um, well wishes with Evan there. Um, but the team picked up catcher Jacob Nottingham from the Brewers on waivers, right? Remember that. Um, that's the first piece of team news. Uh, the Rangers traded minor league pitcher Leon Hunter to the Mariners for a player to be named later in cash or cash considerations. Uh, Hunter was selected by Texas on the 35th round of the 2019 MLB draft. Um and then with this next move, the team recalled Wyatt Mills from the alternate site. And then uh, Jacob Nottingham, catcher, was designated for assignment. Okay. Then the team would trade Nottingham back to the Brewers after the Brewers had waived him. And the Mariners would get cash considerations. So basically, the Brewers dropped off Nottingham. Then the Brewers said, wait, we need him back and pay the Mariners to get him back. Um, 
kind of funny. And it's interesting because this is tied into another Mariner, Omar Narvaez, who was a former Mariners catcher, who is now with the Brewers, got injured. And that is what opened the door for Nottingham to come back. So that was kind of funny, um, at least to me, uh, to see that kind of see Nottingham bounce around there. I don't even know if they ever got the guy at Jersey, let alone, you know. So kind of funny to see that. Um, and then in regards to all of the injuries to the starter, starting pitching, uh, manager Scott Service said that the Mariners will not go to a five-man rotation despite injuries to the pitching staff and has been pretty adamant about that. Um, so that's interesting. They seem to like the whole going through the bullpen thing. Um I'm not going to say it didn't work tonight. I mean, obviously, um, you lose the game. But a lot of the guys did their part. I mean, if I look at the uh, if I look at the game here, the big damage was that, I mean, for a while, the team had only put up one run. This team has really struggled for a decent, excuse me, stretch um, offensively. Obviously, there have been some cases where that's not, the case but if we look at it, eric swanson pitched two scoreless innings um and two hitless innings at that domingo Tapia came in and pitched a scoreless inning will vest came in and pitched a scoreless inning drew second rider came in and pitched a scoreless inning keenan middleton came in and pitched a scoreless inning notice can trend here anthony mishevitz who mishevitz um trying to remember if Mishevitz hasn't been bad. Mishevitz has actually been good. Came in and gave up three earned runs off two hits. One was a homer. Um, and then Wyatt Mills came in and gave up two earned runs. Um, this, this is a very interesting strategy for me, and I haven't seen this. So I'm interested to see how it continues to go on. Oh, the, the bullpen game? Yeah, it's... Well, it, it's, it's remind, it reminds me of the, the combined no-hitter way back in the day. It's not a sustainable form of baseball. You know how I said you say Kikuchi, we don't know if it's going to be sustainable? Yeah. This is not a sustainable form of baseball. I think we know it isn't. This was an emergency situation in which we didn't have a starting pitcher available, which is hog wild because we have, what, six starters. Um, yeah. We we had six had starters. <laughs> And they kind of got uh, Thanos snapped away, um, seeing as how we only have, what, three now? Barely. Three, I don't even think we have three starting caliber pitchers, if I'm quite honest with you. We're, we're reaching with a couple of them. The Kikuchi and Flexen are fine. I, I'm not. I'm still not sold on Justin Dunn. To me, Justin Dunn has climbed above Justice Sheffield in my... Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, for now, that could change. For now, I uh, I just I I have a hard time with some of our pitchers, man. I, I just... yeah, but you know, Justice and Justice are young. They Chris, are. Chris is an interesting case and has been, but he's uh oh, that was that Angels game. For the most part, he's been pretty solid. He's been pretty consistent. He's limited the damage. Three three ERA, not not terrible. I mean, like. Getting below that four is nice, and a lot of our pitchers are over that four mark. And uh, I, I like seeing somebody down in that, even below three point five is pretty freaking fantastic. So, yeah. oh yeah, 
Um, and a guy that we really haven't mentioned is Kendall Graveman. Kendall Graveman. Graveman's a fantastic bullpen piece. Yes. And he has, I think he's got like the highest war on the team right now, the 1.1 1. 1 at I mean, this point. High war to be. <laughs> at this point bad. in the season, I don't know. Um, I'm just, I'm thinking like, you think about un, unsung heroes in baseball and bullpen. Oh, geez. Oh, sorry. I'm looking at the war. Jose Marmaleos has a negative 0.5. Oh my goodness! So why don't we do it? bench him? Bench him. We'll win half the game. I don't know. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, I mean Torrens. What's Torrens's? Oh uh, well. To speak on Graveman, Kendall. Yeah, he does have the highest. It's one point one. Um, Kyle Seager has a zero point nine. Not bad. Uh, Torrens is zero point one. Huh. Yeah, but Marmaleos far and away is the worst with zero point five. Uh, I just I think it's interesting this uh, bullpen approach, um, especially looking at the bullpen, which I think is actually really centered around Graveman, who is, I mean, is a veteran and he's kicking ass. Um, I think it's a it was a really interesting approach tonight. I I like you said I've never seen anything like it. Um, but because it's not sustainable and because it didn't really work, because you are relying on bursts of pitching from pitchers for one inning at a time, so there's no real consistency that you can strike, Um, I, I'd really rather not ever do that again. No. I, <laughs> I like to scrap that idea Oop. and leave Go it alone. Figure out... I'll- I mean, especially because Graveman is a long relief pitcher, um, I don't see why you don't put him out on the bump as a starter. Like, I, I'm, he's an emergency starter, I get it, but, like, I don't see why not. I guess risking getting injured, but that doesn't really make sense because whenever you put a guy out there, you're risking him getting injured. So, really, yes. <laughs> I just... I, I don't quite get this approach, and uh, I think uh, I don't think anybody really did, and it didn't really go too hot at the end of the day. So, um, I do have some league news. Uh, Commissioner Robert Manfred said that the league will consider expansion fees in the two point two billion dollar range for new franchises, but there are currently no plans to add new teams. So this this sparks. My my thought: Why why are you talking about the range for an expansion league, an expansion team, if there are no plans to add new teams? You're just like, oh, we haven't revisited the price check on those. Let's let's change it. It it's I don't know. That was kind of odd to me. Um, that they would even talk about the you know oh let let's set the let's set the the price tag for an expansion franchise but there's no plans to do so. I thought that that was something that was kind of bizarre. Um, and then another conference comment from Manfred was that he was optimistic that the MLB and the MLBPA will be able to avoid work stoppage after the 21 season. That has, you know, I don't have any thoughts on that. That's up to them. Um, and the upcoming schedule for our Mariners ball club will be, they will play the Baltimore Orioles twice more at home on the 4th and the 5th, and then they will travel down to Texas to take on the Rangers for the first time this year um, down in uh, Arlington from the 7th through the 9th. Um, 
Welcome back to your weekly Homs Seattle check-in. Homs has your back in a loving big brother kind of way. Our goal is to change the mental health conversation one heart at a time. Go check out Homs, H-O-M-S-S-E-A-T-T-L-E.com. I just spelled it out for you. And the link is on the website. You have no excuse not to go look at it. Go right ahead. Um, Seattle Sounders took on the, the LA Galaxy at home on May 2nd and they debuted the new Hendrix kits, and they would win in convincing fashion against the Galaxy 3 to nothing. Raul Roy Diaz would notch two goals for a brace there, and Brad Bald Smith would get another goal in back-to-back weeks against an L.A. club. Um, Nico Ladero did not play last week against LAFC, but he would come in in the second half to play against the Galaxy, and especially after all of the freaking hype that both L.A. teams get, it was nice to see the Sounders really kick the snot out of the Galaxy. <laughs> all, all, all the MLS coverage really had been about the Galaxy, and I guess even the main broadcast, all they would talk about was next week's matchup, which is L.A. versus L.A. They weren't talking about the current game that was in front of them. So, you know, good for the Sounders to go and take care of business. Um, even without some key players in the roster, I mean, in the starting lineup right now. Um, they're currently 2-1-0, and and they're number one in the Western Conference, tied for the most points in the league uh, with New York, I believe. Let me get a spot check on that one. But they will play the Timbers down in Providence Park next week on May 9th. Um, let me see the table for the league here. Oh no, New England has seven points and we have seven points. Um, so we're tied for first. Oh no, we're first in the MLS because our goal difference is plus seven and uh, New England is only plus two. Ha ha, suckers, stupid New England. Oop, sorry if you're from New England. Um, but, yes, a big game against Portland there. It's always big when we play Portland. Ben, and I think you understand that. Um, yes. <laughs> so that's something to note. Uh, Seattle Storm, nothing really new to note this week. Uh, the team is continuing throughout training camp. But Brianna Stewart did add another ring to her collection. She got engaged. She proposed to her partner, Marta, over the weekend. Um, so big congrats there. She is, she's had a busy last what two years yeah i mean we'll look at her freaking trophy case yeah she's she's been busy um but if, if you put that type of trophy case and this is just this seems to be a concurrent theme with our podcast but if you put that type of trophy case to any male athlete they're freaking like they're talked about more than anybody else and mm-hmm. I, I just i do not understand the disconnect <laughs> and <laughs> so so without looking it up can you tell me how old she, can you guess how old she is I mean, okay, like I think I have a ballpark, but I wanna I wanna divorce myself from that and I'd say she must be thirty-five if she has that much of a repertoire. What's your ballpark? My ballpark, I think she must be twenty-eight. She's twenty-six. Yeah. So, but, you know, you've got all that winning and you Oh, you know, goodness gracious. You got all that winning, you're not even thirty yet. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So LeBron That's, James has that trophy case, and he's almost forty. Like, yeah, I mean, just we gotta James. appreciate what we got while we have it. And you know? I mean, 
really got to appreciate that. Hook line sinkered me with that intro, though. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, she did. And then you're like, she's getting engaged. I was like, oh, that's great. That's why we're here, Ben. Um, Kraken news, nothing too. Well, no, there. this is some pretty good stuff. Uh, the NHL is coming to TNT. Uh, TNT will host three Stanley Cup finals, and they will have the rights to every winter classic. The Kraken are aiming to offset 100% transportation emissions for fans traveling to games at Climate Pledge Arena. I have four main points for you here. They will put $7 million to monorail funding for renovations upgrades. Yes, that is the monorail that travels from Seattle Center to Westlake Center. Westlake Center? Westlake Mall. Sorry. So they're going to put some... The monorail is going to get some upgrades. It's pretty interesting to note. Wow, that thing's rickety and scary. Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> I haven't been on that thing in, jeez, at least a year. I went on in our senior year of high school because there was a freshman who had been in Seattle like three times. <laughs> uh, let's take the monorail. You got to. Um, there will be public transit uh, transit subsidies for Kraken games for those without an ORCA card. Uh, carbon offsets for all transportation related emissions and $40 million will be invested into biking, walking and transportation improvements in Uptown which was formerly Queen Anne I still don't like calling it Uptown it's Queen Anne to me yeah what the hell is Uptown I don't that's a stupid name Um, so the Kraken are really gonna it's it's something that's it's good to have this public transportation it's just interesting to see how this all breaks down and how it affects you know the current landscape um and the kraken officially did join the nfl nope the nhl as the 32nd franchise after making their final expansion payment what this means now is that general manager ron francis uh, and the front office can officially start signing players and francis will now be allowed and able to attend general manager meetings so that's exciting and it continues to be another step forward into making this team a reality and making this team you know, flesh and blood. Um, so again, your next, your net, your your big date here to put in your little calendar or write down or whatever. Remember, is that the expansion draft is July twenty first. Obviously, we're a couple months out, but every episode we get closer. So, uh, the old rain played their final two games of the Challenge Cup. Now, in the time since we recorded this, there have been two games. Um. April 27th versus Chicago Red Stars. The team would win 3-2. to two. Uh, Pre-game injuries, uh, Kelsey Hedge was out with an ACL injury. Allie Watt has a season-ending season ending ACL injury. And then Sam Hyatt was out with a head injury. Uh, player of the game would be Leia Pruitt. Leia Pruitt has been somebody throughout the Challenge Cup who continues to fly around the field and make an impact. She won't always show up on the score sheet, but, man, she's aggressive and just continues to fly around uh she did add a goal in there but for this game i was granted media credentials i was there in person um that was a lot of fun and just grateful for the rain uh that they grant me that uh so there is a css blog post about it on the game go check that on the website uh it's the most recent blog post and if for some reason we're in the future no you're in the future and listening to us in the past. Uh, it'll be under the soccer tab. Yes, there are tabs for the different sports in the blog section. Um, 
And then May 3rd at Kansas City NWSL, the team would win 2-1. to one. Uh, Megan Rapino was out with a back injury. Hope that's nothing too serious. Kelsey Hedge and uh, Ali Watt, both same injuries. Uh, and Sam Hyatt out with a head injury. Uh, player of the game would be Celia Jimenez Delgado with the game-winning goal in the 84th minute. This is another situation where the rain would go down a goal early and would continue to uh, they'd storm back and, and win this game here. So they've got some good momentum heading into the regular season. Um, there are some team things. Well, there's a team news note to, uh, to pay attention to and then some league news information. The team announced that they have a partnership with Gatorade as the official isotonic beverage of OL Reign. So if you like Gatorade, you know, another reason too, I guess. I haven't had Gatorade in years, man. Jeez. I'm more of a body armor type of guy. I, I liked the body armor, but it always kind of reminded me of like if somebody if it was like the liquid embodiment of a cough drop. Oh, you know, I there's like body armor, uh, the strawberry banana, and it tastes like mm. uh, it's like a fruit by the foot. And I'm, <laughs> I'm I might have to try that flavor. Is um, niche sponsored by body armor or something like that? Sponsored? I don't know. He put a post up about a year ago or so. No way. Being like, drink some body armor, and I was like, maybe he was just being a goof. That could be the case. Let's um there's nothing in his bio. I don't see any official post. Well, you know what? Body armor, get on it. Sponsor Mishael Powell. Do it. Yeah, come on. I know you guys listen now. Um, and then this is cool. To me, the NWSL renewed its partnership with Parkside Collectibles. Now Parkside Collectibles is expanding into uh no, Parkside Collectibles has trading cards and they will expand the trading card set. Uh, of the NWSL with bonus signature cards. The NWSL uh, announced the renewal of its partnership with sports trading company Parkside Collectibles following a successful 2020 season. Uh, Parkside became the first sports trading card company to feature an all-women's soccer trading cassette uh, trading card set last year. It's a 200-card set, and it will have signature cards. And uh, what's the other type of inserts? Um, there's a word for them. Relics, I guess, is the word. But um, I went and bought four packs off their website. I, I guess I should get those um, around late May. But hey, man, this is another opportunity to support women's sports and support uh, support women in general. Um, it's 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 the same as buying card packs. And then for me, it was easy because all I did was like go on the website and the link was there. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to worry about some jackass going to Walmart and buying the whole stack. They are going to be at Walmart and Target, by the way. So, I mean, that could happen. But I went and just cut that out of the equation and just bought the packs online. So uh, it's Parkside Collectibles. It should be on the website if I go Parkside Collectibles. And I click on the link that says parksidecards.com. It is right there on the front page. Uh, the official NWSL training cards premium edition uh, to 10 bucks for one pack. And you can get um, estimated to ship on May 17th. So if you want to spot, if you want to, what's the word I'm looking for? Support women's sports. This is another opportunity to do so. Uh, and then looking ahead for our OL reign, the 2021 regular season is the next stop for the team here. 
but that will not start until May 15th. So they'll get a week sort of to kind of get some training underway and not have to worry about a game. But the first game of the season versus the North Carolina Courage at home is approaching. No Seattle Supersonics news, no Dragons news. UW Athletics, this is going to be a full slate. Um, get ready for it. Uh, team news, the well, this is for college football in general. Uh, two notes, there's nothing Husky football related necessarily. Uh, a 12-team college football playoff is gaining support. Several college football playoff decision makers are showing willingness to consider major expansion. Uh, Florida lawmakers agreed to reinstate July as a start date for allowing college athletes to make money from endorsements. So those are two things to note. Uh, Bennett, just to throw a number out there, if the college football playoff is going to expand, what do you think would be a good number for that? Oh, God. What are they at right now? 16? Four. What? Hold on. That's the, what? that's the playoff. I guess you're right. I guess I knew that. I think you could add on two extra rounds, make it a 16. That I would I would like to make it an actual playoff because it's yeah. four teams. You know, you you get what it's Bama and Clemson and Bama, Clemson, LSU, maybe and Ohio State, Ohio State. Maybe if you're lucky, they switch it up and throw in one of those other Midwest nothing schools. Um, so they play, you know, like a couple games and then it's all done. You and know. it's all part of like Big Ten. It's like it just it, it doesn't even matter what division you're in at that point. So yeah, I think I think uh I think they should make it an actual playoff. You know, it's uh it's you know and I I, I, I don't I, and I think you know what it would do. It would make it a lot more accessible because college football to me and I think a lot of other folks who are casual football fans in general. Um, it, it, it's become something of an elusive system because there's so much there's seeding and the seeding's kind of screwy and like mm. not so cut and dry as basketball tournament seeding and like the reason March Madness is so fun and so accessible is because you can just be like oh these are the teams that are moving on these are the teams that are good there's also like a billion teams for me to choose from mm, I've got variety this one is like do I want Trevor Lawrence to win or do I want yeah it's like oh do I want Bama to get another ring or it doesn't matter I've never been interested in college football playoffs yeah it's like yeah it's literally we we saw Bama and Clemson play a couple times we saw LSU kick everybody's butt that year but we saw Bama and Clemson play twice in the past three years so yeah it's I think expansion would do good for the fans and I mean, if we look at it from the money standpoint, it means more commercial time for the, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why they're saying no to that. Um, as we keep chugging along here, uh, for men's basketball, the Huskies, three new Huskies were officially out of the program. Terrell Brown Jr., Evan Matthews Jr., and Samuel Aribi. Uh, and another addition, 2021 four-star power forward Langston Wilson, will join UW after decommitting from uh, Alabama in April. So some after after a tough couple of weeks, the last uh, well, t- tough couple months after I got um, transfer portal loss, after transfer portal loss, we're getting some Huskies back here. We're not back. We're adding some Huskies here. And then speaking of adding Huskies, uh, UW hired Quincy Pondexter as an assistant coach. He spent seven seasons in the NBA. 
and is a former Husky Hoops star. We get into the women's basketball. There's more news, uh, more positive news to come out of it. Haley Van Dyke is returning next year for the Lady Huskies. Uh, and then top center in the nation, Nancy Mulkey is transferring to UW. Uh, she's one of the nation's top post players at six foot nine. At that height, she's the tallest player in UW women's basketball history. She'll join her former coach, Tina Langley from Rice. Uh, she earned the WNIT tournament MVP conference USA defensive player of the year in 2020 and 2019. And last year, she was a Naismith Defensive Player of the Year semifinalist. So some big news in, uh, in Husky basketball on both sides. Baseball. <sighs> Sad time. April 30th versus Cal. They would play the three-game series versus Cal. They would lose three times. First game, they lost 0-9. to nine. Second game, they lose 1-5. to five. And then the uh, May 2nd game, they'll lose 2-3. to three. I will give you a player of the game for that game just because it was a close game. It would be second baseman Noah Sue with two hits, one uh, RBI, and a walk. The team sits at a 17-21 and record and is still last in the Pac-12. Doesn't look like things will get too much easier for the Husky baseball team here as they will play the number 16-ranked Oregon Ducks uh, May 7th through 9th down in Oregon. Uh, so that'll be a difficult late. Softball, I don't have any softball news for you this week. They had the week off. Um, they sit at a 35 and nine record and will play Utah for four games, uh, May 7th through 9th with a double header on the eighth soccer, big week in soccer for the Huskies too. Uh, the men and women's teams are in the NCAA tournaments respectfully, um, respectively, pardon me. Uh, so for the men's team in the NCAA tournament, they played May 2nd versus Grand Canyon and would win two to nothing. Play of the game would be Christian Soto with three shots, two shots on goal, and a goal. And we get into team news here uh, for all Pac-12 honors. Uh, Charlie Ostrom won Defensive Player of the Year. Head coach Jamie Clark won Coach of the Year. And Ostrom, Dylan Tevis, and Christian Soto were all named to the all Pac-12 first team. Lucas Neek, Ryan Saylor, Kendall Birch, and Sam Fowler were all named to the second team. And Gio Magletti was named to the uh, all uh, honorable mentions. Uh, eight all Pac-12 awards are Washington's most since 2009 when they had nine honors. Uh, Washington has three players earning all Pac-12 first team uh, seven times now, including twice in the last three years and five times the last 10. The seven Huskies earning first team or second team are the most in Husky history. The team record is 11-3, and they will play May 6th versus Missouri State in the tournament. The women's tournament. Uh, on April 27th, it would be Liberty 3 to nothing. Player of the game would be Carly Stuckel with two shots, two shots on goal and a goal. Uh, April 30th versus St. Louis, they would tie in regulation, but UW would win 4-3 to three in PKs. And goalkeeper Olivia Zaccani would record three saves and get the game-winning penalty kick. She would be your player of the game. Uh, and we head into All-Pac-12 honors. Four players were named the All-Pac-12 team by the Pac-12 Conference. Uh, Summer Yates and Amira Hassan were earning first-team honors. Taylor Tang earned second-team, and Olivia Vanderjack earned third-team honors. The team has a 10-3-4 record, uh, and they will go on to play number two-ranked North Carolina in the tournament on May 5th. So, uh, volleyball team, no news besides the fact that um, LMA Powell got to throw the first pitch out at the Mariners game on sun yes sunday 
So God, I went through that like a speed round. Um, let's see. Soccer teams will continue to play. Uh, baseball team is going to continue to play. Um, softball will come back. Uh, the Sounders are playing. The Mariners are playing. Seahawks kind of – are there any really important dates to note for them? I mean, I think they get off-season workouts, but it's just still off-season for them, huh? Yeah, and the workouts are not in person. so it doesn't Yeah, matter. so there's that. Um, the rain will get regular season going in a week after. I mean, uh, same with the storm. So uh, we lose a couple teams to the off-season, and we're going to gain some. So, whew, goodness, Bennett, that was – I was trying to go fast there. Um, Rap God. No. No? No. Do it right now, actually, please. We're going to kick Bennett off the show, guys. I <sighs> have this disrespect. Um, we have... Um, no. Um, I was going to say... I almost said the Marvel one. No. Uh, if you start, if you follow our Star Wars uh, podcast and you're uh, if you like this one as well, and you're listening to this, obviously, we should have. When, when do you think we're going to record Bad Batch? Right? Later, uh, we'll have a new episode for you next week. Next week, yeah, um, that sounds good. Our, our our Friday upload that'll be our next week's Friday upload. I know we haven't uploaded to there for quite some time, but we're just now getting some content for you folks. Um, so if you're if you're into that, if you're into Bad Batch, take a look at that. We'll um. We'll have the first two episodes up. Well, we'll have, we'll have a discussion of the first two episodes up. It's going to be a jam-packed episode. The first episode's an hour and ten minutes. So uh, we'll cover that one. We'll cover the episode that comes out on Friday as well. Say, if you're into that, um, check it out. And we got the first two episodes of Untitled Marvel Podcast, or Untitled Combo Podcast. Uh, show that one some love, because it needs it. It's a neglected stepchild right now. It needs some love. So, um... Uh, yeah, check out those two other podcasts if you're into it. Oh, yeah. So we continue to work here, and we will all see you back. Well, not all. I made it sound like Omari would be back. Omari will still be on hiatus. Yeah, we don't know. Uh, right now, he's on our injured list. He's he's out right now. Um, we will be back for you with uh, more information of your Seattle sports teams on May 11th. So until then, Bennett, do you have an interesting fact to leave us with? Uh, May 11th is my birthday. Oh. That's an interesting fact. That's an interesting fact. All right, everybody. We'll see you later. Baba Booey.